Grace and peace, family. Pastor Derek here. Listen, I'm not there today, uh, but Minister Cam is going to bring a wonderful word from the Lord for you guys today. My wife and I are away on a retreat today. We're actually probably on the airplane right now heading there. And so I, I just want to pray for Minister Cam as he brings the word. I want you guys to encourage him as he brings the word. He is going to share from the word of God a powerful message for you guys. So let me pray for him and pray for you guys as you jump into the word and pray for my wife and I as we are traveling to a retreat. I'm going to speak at a retreat. My wife's going to lead some workshops at this retreat. Um, and so we're excited about what God is doing there. And so pray for us as we're doing that. And so let me pray for Minister Cam right now as he comes to bring the word and you guys welcome him right after this prayer. Father, thank you. God, I pray that you would bless Minister Cam today as he brings the word. God, I pray that you would be with him. God, help him to bring forth the word with power. God, help him to bring forth the word with clarity. And God, let the truth of the scripture, the word of truth that we learned about last week, give birth to new life in us. And so, Father, bless him, increase him. God, give him strength. In Jesus' name, I pray. Family, welcome Minister Cam. Grace and peace. Amen, amen, amen. Good morning, Epiphany Church Wilmington family. My name is Cameron Lawson. I'm the assistant pastor here. Uh, it is a privilege to spend some time with you all this morning. Uh, we're in this series uh, called Devoted. Uh, it's just the idea that God in, in James, uh, God is calling us to go to our ne- that next level in Christianity, not, you know, become spiritually wise and mature Christians. Uh, so we've been in this uh, Devoted series for a few weeks now, and we are still in chapter 1. Uh, so we're right in James 1, chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. Uh, you can go ahead and get that ready if you have your Bible or your phone or whatever you're using uh, to go ahead and follow through with the scripture today. Um, I was watching an interview with uh, one of the young players uh, from the Phoenix Suns team. It's a young team uh, who's about to play for and hopefully win the team's first NBA championship. And if you interviewer asked this young player, how did the coach get all you guys to buy into his system fully? And the young player said, coach never calls us out. He only calls us up. Everything he says is with the intention on making us a better player and a better person. I say that because I believe this morning our brother James is calling us up. Calling us up not to just be hearers of the word, but doers. Not just people who hear God's word and enjoy it and are encouraged by it, but people who live out God's word fully and display it in the way we live our lives. He's going to give us some qualities that a doer of God's word, someone who fully buys in, possesses. And he's also going to call us up to controlling one of the seemingly most uncontrollable things in the human life. Those two things are anger and our tongue. Most conflicts, arguments, wars, and murders happen because people lose control of either their anger or their tongue. Our communities in the world are filled with examples of this. Family, this message is important because there's not a human being on this earth who has not struggled with feeling anger and sometimes saying things that are out of line. This morning, our brother James is calling us up to be better. Calling us up to godliness, to be spiritually wise Christians who control their tongue and emotions and submit ourselves fully to the word of God. Once again, our scripture comes from James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. 
My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Let us pray. O oh, gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your love. Lord, I thank you for your holy word. Heavenly Father, fill me with your spirit right now, God. Help me to proclaim your word boldly, faithfully, truthfully, clearly, effectively, and with power, God. God, I ask that you be with me, God, and use every ounce of me right now, God, to proclaim your God word. Lord, may everything I do worship you and give you, bring you grace and honor that you truly deserve, God. I ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. As you can see, uh, we are still in chapter 1 this morning, but verse 19 begins a new section of this letter, if you will. Verse 1 contained the greeting. Verses 2 and four, two through 4 can be thought of as a sort of intro to the points that he's going to expound upon in the rest of the letter. The goal of this letter is stated in, in, in verse 4 of James. He wants to encourage us and equip us so we can be mature and complete Christians full of spiritual wisdom who lack nothing. After telling us in verses 5 through 18 how to wisely handle trials and temptation, he now transitions into telling us what will be the result of wisdom from God or the qualities that a spiritually wise person possesses. Verse 19 begins with these words. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Those words, my dear, or as it's translated in the Greek, my beloved brothers and sisters, is done purposely to show endearment, to let us know in the first readers of this early Christian church know that this is not a call out to embarrass us. This is a loving call up. God wants us to act with spiritual wisdom. Let me pause here quickly because this is an important point for us to get. Because we serve a God who loves us. And as Pastor preached to us last week, has called us to reflect his image to the unbelieving world. And contained in his word is not only a detailed description of his love for us. His word does not only contain the beautiful mystery of him redeeming us from sin and death. And the opportunity for repentance and the free grace that follows. It not only contains the story of him empowering us to overcome the evils of this world by his spirit, but it also is full of spiritual wisdom that lovingly calls us up into godliness and into spiritual maturity. I say all that to say, family, we need to start viewing the words of reproof from God's word as such. So many of us are easily offended and angered by the way our holy and righteous God calls us up to be better. By informing us that the ways the world teaches us and has taught us to live is wrong. Yes, family contained in God's word is hard truth that cuts to the very core of our sinful nature and hearts. And sometimes hard truth is hard to hear. But that does not change who our loving Savior is, nor does it change his character. As Pastor also informed us last week, every good gift comes from God. One of the greatest gifts he gave us was his holy word. And in it, among many things that should not go unnoticed, is his love for us. And as a loving parent corrects their child in love with the intention on making them a better person, family, our Heavenly Father does the same in his word. 
He lovingly corrects us and guides us with the intention of making us more like himself. We must understand and start to view God's word as such. That way we can receive the message and the words of eternal life that come from it. He follows the endearment with the words, understand this or know this. What I say is of grave importance. I need you to get this. And family, the words that follow are of grave importance. Not only for us Christians, but for those in our communities and the world at large. I know this because it says everyone. Which means not just you and I are Christians, but every single man and woman alike. What follows after that is a threefold injunction that states that we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I want to break that down a bit if you don't mind. Although they all go hand in hand with each other. He first states that we should be quick to listen. Before we get to the quick part, I want to define exactly what is listening. Family, listening is the active process of of receiving and responding to what is being spoken. In other words, listening is not just hearing. Although that's a component of listening, it's taking a vigorous interest into what's being told before us. Listening is one of the most selfless acts that we can do. It requires us to devote our entire attention. And attention includes focusing perception and awareness on visible and verbal stimuli. In other words, giving full attention to what is being presented before you and taking both the sights and sounds. As I stated, it also involves the physical act of hearing, opening the floodgates of your ears. It also involves understanding, applying meaning to the message you're receiving. And lastly, listening requires remembering, the storing of that meaningful information. In short, listening requires us not to focus on ourselves, but what's before us. But not only does James tell us that we need to listen, but he said we need to be quick to listen. Or we need to hurry up in listening, implying the idea of being in a rapid pursuit of listening. Let me pause here for a second. Family, when we encounter the word of God, whether it's being preached before us or in your own personal reading, we need to not just be listening, but being quick to listen, ready to listen, eager to listen to the richness and fullness and beauty of God's word. We need to focus our full attention, both mental and physical, to the truth that is being presented before us. And we need to be seeking out opportunities to listen to God's word. That is part of what we do here at Epiphany Church. We are people who love God's word. And as such, it's of utmost importance that we truly listen to it and take a vigorous interest in it and attach the meaning of it to our very core. Secondly, we need to listen to others. As God not only commanded us to love him and his word, but also our fellow man. Listening is a way you can actively show love to your fellow brothers and sisters. And not only that, to those of you who are married, listening is a way that you can actively show love to your spouse. I'll be the first to say that being married and actively engaged in an unconditional loving union with my wife is where I truly learn and learn more about listening every day. I love my wife, and I want to make sure that when she speaks to me, I not only hear her, but I listen to her. But for those of you married and unmarried alike, you need to look no further than God's word. For because of his great love for us, he listens to each and every one of us every day. 
For Psalm 66, 19 reads, but truly God has listened. For he's attended to the voice of my prayer. Family, God listens to us. Let me say that again. I said, family, God listens to us. We serve a God who listens, not because he has to, but because of his great love for us. And as Christians, we are actively engaged in a loving union with our God. And because we love him, let us pour our love for him back by not just hearing God's word, but truly listening to him first and foremost and others. Poet Alice Dewey Miller said, you can listen like a blank wall or like a splendid auditorium where every sound comes back fuller and richer. Family auditoriums are made to reverberate sound. That's how we should listen to God's word, as if we are splendid auditoriums that take in the fullness of God's word and breathe it and pour it back out. Next, James said we need to be slow to speak. As I said, these all go hand in hand. The first step in being slow to speak is being quick to listen. That's why we have two ears and one mouth, so you can, we can listen as much as twice, twice as much as speaking. You see, some of us don't hear what God says, let alone what others say, because we are so quick to speak. In fact, that's all some of us do and talk. In our prayer times, all we do is talk. There are those who say, I pray and I pray, hey, God, to speak to me, and I get nothing. And my question and response is that, do you stop talking enough to let them? I've been guilty of it, and I'm sure we all have. But how about the next time you seek God in prayer, you start with spending some time in quietness and stillness before you say anything? And allow him to guide your words in prayer. For Romans 8, 26 through 27 states, we do not know what we ought to pray. But the Spirit intends for us through worldly groans. Before you throw up worldly groans, take the time to sit and listen to His Spirit and allow Him to guide you. Not only do we need to be slow to speak with God, but with others as well. Family, you can avoid offense being taken by anything you say by being quick to listen and slow to speak and taking in fully what someone is saying before you speak. Spiritually wise Christians control their tongue. Proverbs 10.19 states that when there are many words, sin is unavoidable. But one who controls his lips is prudence. Proverbs 17 verses 27 through 28 also states, The one who has knowledge restrains his words and keeps a cool head is a person of understanding. For even a fool is considered wise when he keeps silent, discerning while he seals his lips. Family, we have to control our tongue. You have to respond to everything people say, especially while having time to thoughtfully think through what you are about to say. Both being quick to listen and slow to speak will lead us to being slow in anger. But also on the inverse, being slow to listen and quick to speak will lead to a lack of control of anger. Anger, also known as wrath or rage, is an intense emotional state involving strong, uncomfortable, and non-cooperative responses to perceived provocation, hurt, or threat. Look at that definition uh, one more time. It said anger is an intense emotional state of perceived hurt. Could it be that we get angry with others and take offense based on what we perceive because we fail to be quick to listen and slow to speak? There have been all types of studies done on anger and why people get angry, as well as the characteristics of an angry person. 
Most psychologists conclude that anger is caused by a trigger. And triggers are events that provoke anger. There are a number of different facts, factors that can cause a trigger. But most people before they're angry are experiencing anxiety or exhaustion. It's said almost all anger flows from narcissism, competitiveness, and low tolerance for frustration. It involves one within oneself attaching blame, attaching or appeasing a situation is blameworthy or unjustified or punishable. All the combination of these factors lead to why people get angry. Family, in other words, when you feel anger, it has more to do with you than what others have said or done to you. In other words, anger is a personal choice. When we feel anger, it's because we choose to. It comes from us holding on to the things of the past and getting offended every time something looks like that past event. You're not mad at what happened today. You're mad about something that happened in the past. And it's being brung back up in the light through this current situation. You're not mad about what somebody said to you. You're mad because you feel that way about yourself. And what they said brung that insecurity to the surface. You're not even mad at God about life circumstances. You're mad at yourself for not doing all that you could to make things turn out better. Let me be clear. This is not all the time. And sometimes we can feel justified and be justified in our anger. But justified anger is not what this text is referring to. And also, in order to know and process whether anger is justified or not, we must be, it must be slow processing. We should be hesitant as believers to allow anger to settle into something that we nurse and that ends up controlling us. Next, in verse 20, James lets us know, it lets us know exactly it's not justified anger he's talking about. He's talking about why we need to avoid anger. Verse 20 reads, human anger, not justified anger, but flawed, broken anger, devoid of spiritual wisdom, does not accomplish God's righteousness. I I don't want us to miss this contrast that James is making here between human anger and God's righteousness. Family, the results of human anger often include violence, depression, hurt, pain, and low self-esteem. None of which are helpful to God in achieving his righteousness. In reality, what James is saying is that human anger, with all its flaws, does not create righteousness at all and usually fails to create anything that can be offered or directed towards God. James is calling us up to godliness, calling us to live with spiritual wisdom and resist the anger that results from our brokenness and to reflect the godliness that dwells within us. For God proclaimed of himself before Moses in Exodus 34, chapter, chapter 34, verses 6 through 7, that he is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love and faithfulness. Family, what James is asking us to do is, is to be more like God and to be an example of godliness to the unbelieving world. James finishes his statement in verses 19 and 20 by saying, in verses 21, Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth, And the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. What James is saying is that because anger is not righteous, nor spiritually wise reaction to which God has called us to, let us rid ourselves of that moral filth and that evil that is so prevalent that holds us back from receiving what God has for us. That ridding yourself phrase we see here in the Greek reads, having put off 
all moral filth or dirtiness and access of wickedness, as it reads exactly in the Greek. It reads that way, having put off, because James is addressing this letter to early Christians. And, and, and assuming that they have or already in the, or have or are in the constant process of setting aside their former sinful life. Those who are slow to speak, quick to talk and get angry are the markings of a person who has not been filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Those are markings of a person and of our former selves, family. That's what we used to do and have have been doing all our lives. James is calling us up to be better than we used to be, to be different than we used to be. At first noun, dirtiness, or as we find it here, moral filth, refers to external grime, as with filthy or stained or muddy clothes. But it also conveys a deeper meaning of moral defilement or spiritual stains on our souls. Excess specifies an overabundance of this filth, which we have covered ourselves in. Wickedness, meanwhile, denotes evil character or sin that springs up from our bad attitudes within our spirit. These moral failures and taints of evil in our character are the grime and muck that we need to remove from ourselves as readily as taking off filthy clothes after a long day at work or playing outside in the mud. Much like the mud and dirt are prevalent in the world and attaches to us, our clothes and belongings, so is the evil and wicked ways of this world. Family, we must shake off the ways of our former selves and move forward to what God has called us to. We've tried it our way. I think we all can attest to the fact that it did not work. Why do we continue to try to do things the way we used to do them? After James tells us to rid ourselves of the ways of our former selves, he tells us to humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save our souls. The word humbly means in a way that is not proud or arrogant. It shows insignificance or subservience. That word receive means to experience or to be subject to. Family, in other words, we need to take in the word of God as servants, taking the words of their master. And as Christians are servants of the Most High, we need to understand that God's word is objective. It says what it says. And as servants, we must listen and do what God says. To experience his word and plan for us fully, we need to submit ourselves to his word. Look at the contrast James is making here by first telling us to rid ourselves of the moral filth that we put on and attach to ourselves and receive the implanted word which is able to save us. I'm going to say that again. He tells us to rid ourselves of the moral filth and sin which comes from the outside that we put on ourselves and then sinks through the cracks and the insecurities to our core and receive the word of God which has been implanted to our core by God and start to let that pour out of, out of us onto others. As it can not only save our soul but every single person on this earth. Family, stop letting outside stuff seep in and affect and change who you are. And start receiving what God put in you and let who he made you to be come forth. Much like a seed that is implanted into the ground that's rooted in the fertile fertile soil and grows and bears fruits, so should the word of God be rooted in our souls and grow and bear fruit for his kingdom. Let us be good soil for the word of God. See, family, implants are medical, life-saving, changing mechanisms placed into the person that becomes part of the person they were put in and enables them to function better than what they used to be. 
Family, the Word of God is a soul-saving, life-changing mechanism that has been placed inside of you by God Himself, and it should start to become a, come part of us and help us to navigate and function in this sinful world better than we used to. And it's the only, it's only the Word of God that's able to save us. Family, from start to finish, the Word of God is about His love for us despite our sin against Him, despite the way we treat Him. Despite us turning our backs to him, he's compassionate, gracious, and slow to anger, and abounding in love and faithfulness. It's stated in the scripture in so many ways, but in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, Paul states, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons and daughters. Because you are sons, God has sent his spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Family, this is the word of God that's been implanted in us. Implanted to our souls, to the very fiber of our being. God loves us so much that he freed us from the slavery of sin. He sent forth his son to redeem us and free us from all manner of sin, including anger. And when we repent, we receive and accept and believe his word, family, we are free. I personally struggled with anger and know what it feels like to be a slave of anger. But more importantly, since I found Christ, I know what it feels like to be free. That's not to say I still don't struggle, but thanks be to God, I'm no slave. Because I have the joy of the Lord inside of me. So many in our community are struggling with anger. At least there's so much imprisonment, violence, and death. Young people out there, God did not create you to live with and hold on and act on that anger that you feel. That is a trick and a lie that the world has told us and put on us and made us to believe. But God's word offers truth and freedom of that anger that you feel. Family, take it to God. He will listen. He cares and understands and is the only way that you can be free. I want you all out there to know and are struggling with anger that I struggled with that you can be free through Jesus Christ. And empowered by his spirit to live in love and peace. If you are out there and you have not repented and received and accepted the word of God, you can do so today and right now. It just takes a moment. And this moment will change the very course of your life and save your very soul. Next, if you are a Christian who has struggled with anger and controlling your tongue and have not lived up to what God has called us to, it's okay. The reality is we all struggle. But you can repent and continue to make progress and move forward today. Don't sit and sin and let that anger fester and turn back to your former and old self and old ways. Family, hear this call up to godliness from our brother James this morning and start acting with spiritual wisdom and maturity. In closing, our brother James this morning called us up. Not out, but up towards godliness. To be more than hearers of God's word, but doers. To completely buy in and submit ourselves to God family, a spiritually wise Christian does three things, and take these things down and remember them. A spiritually wise Christian listens to both the word of God and to others. A spiritually wise Christian controls his tongue and emotions. 
And lastly, a spiritually wise Christian submits themselves fully to the word of God. Let us pray. Oh, gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this word. Thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. Lord, I thank you for the freedom that's found in your son, Jesus Christ, God. Thank you, God, that we were, although we were former slaves, we have found freedom in you, God. Lord, I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice is experiencing that freedom and living fully into what you have called them to be. God, help us by your spirit to rid ourselves of the former ways of ourselves and the former sinful life that we used to do. God, help us to be better, God. And being better, God, we can't keep on doing the same thing we used to do. God, what we've been doing all our lives, God, you have called us to be different and to do something different, God. Help us to walk fully into that, God. Help us to rid ourselves of this human anger that results from our brokenness, God. God, but fill in those cracks and insecurities with your love, God, and with your joy, God, with your peace, God. God, help us to live fully into what you have called us to be, God. Help us to accept this call up, God. Help us to view the words that come from you about reproof, God, as loving words and guidance. Help us not to resist it and be angry that you have called us to be better. You are a holy and righteous God and have called us to be the same, God. Help us to do that, God, by your spirit, God. God, I ask that you fill each and every one of this person in this room with your spirit, God. Help them to love more. Help them to have peace, God. Help them to resist the anger in this world and dirtiness that is so prevalent, God. God, be with us for the rest of this week, God. We just ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.